0: The following is a Just Green production brought to you by the Might Be News Network.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Might Be Brews, episode 66, the podcast where we explore the people, places, and brews of the craft beer world. My name is John, with me as always, Mr. Steve, how you doing today? We're on the road. We are on the road. We're like Bon Jovi, (laughs) traveling the countryside. This is our first out of Pennsylvania recording experience. We've made it out of Pennsylvania. We're taking over America. (laughs) One state at a time. We are coming to you live from beautiful Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. We are on site at Thompson Island Brewing Company. We are here with Jimmy. How you doing, Jimmy?
2: I'm doing fantastic, man. How you guys doing? I'm
1: doing great. Thank you so much for being here, Nick. How you doing? We're here with Nick as well.
2: I'm
3: doing real good.
1: Awesome. Thank you guys so much um, for hanging out. This is. Uh, we're, I'm really excited. I, I kind of started to tell you guys earlier that uh, I've been frequenting, frequent, frequent. How do you, what's the word? I'm frequenting, for? yeah, frequenting Delaware. I don't know why I had such a hard time with that.
4: Me neither. You haven't but, even um, started drinking yet.
1: Yeah, so I've I've had a uh, I've got to try all the stuff in town. I feel like, and Thompson Island absolutely stands out to me as you know, the cream of the crop when it comes to the beer scene here.
2: Oh, man, thank you very much. That's, that means we're a whole lot from you guys. You guys really know your beer, and, and, and we haven't been open for very long. So that's
4: that's awesome.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, when I come to town, you guys are definitely the brewery that I'm looking forward to, to seeing and frequenting. And, uh, you know, the family loves it. The food's amazing. So um, I was like, this is the brewery that I have to make sure that we have on the show. So I'm really excited to be here. Um, let's start with the beer that we just cracked. Oh, yeah. Um, Jimmy, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about what we have here. Mm.
2: Sorry, taking a sip. Uh, so this is a, a Thompson Fest. It is a uh, Marison-style Oktoberfest amber lager, uh, super crisp, clean, uh, nice and malty, all malty. And then, you know, that, that good noble hop, uh, uh, zing, spicy herbal on the finish. Uh, but really just loving to playing around with those, music, those uh, Munich malts on there.
4: The malt definitely comes through big time on this thing. It's, it's got sweetness to it, but it's not over the top, which I like. Sometimes the marzins get really sweet for me, and this right. one doesn't over-sweeten me, which is good.
2: Yeah, no, no. We, uh, I think uh, attenuation on a marzin is really important. Uh, you definitely want to uh, attenuate it out fully, uh, fully fermented out so there's not as much residual sugar and reduce that sweetness.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, is there's not a whole lot of sweetness, but... Um I love that bite to it and it's very cold right now too so it's just it's incredibly refreshing. I just I love this style it's it's one of my favorites that like as crazy as it's been like or as crazy as it is that we've been into beer for so long I feel like I didn't really start getting into and appreciating Marzins until like two or three years ago and I just every time they come out I can't get enough of them.
4: The other question is why do we only do them in October? I know why they only used to do them in October.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, especially,
2: I I, I think brewers tend to be uh, sort of a a bunch of purists and traditionalists Mm -hmm. for the most part. So, you know, Marzen is is German for for March. That's when it was brewed, and then they would let it lager until mid-September, October, and that's when they would drink it for the Volksfests. And uh, I, I think it's really just sort of a tradition thing. Plus, like, this is a really good beer for, like, late summer into fall. It's like right definitely now. a fall beer. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a fall kind of beer. I think so.
3: I can yeah. almost see the leaves turning when I'm drinking it. You know,
1: yeah, for sure. Turning that color too. It definitely does yeah. that. But I do, I do sometimes wish I could drink them year round. And I don't think they're the type of beer that like wouldn't age that well. Like I think you can sit on them a good. You know, six eight months and yeah. still drink them. It's yeah. not like it's going to deteriorate. I don't think that much. I'm having trouble with these big words today. You should. St- it's six small. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't yeah. go for these ten cent words. Yeah, I don't know what my problem is. I'm <laughs> I'm trying to talk bigger than my brain can handle. But um, since it's the first time we're having you guys on the show, we got we have to ask you guys the question of the gateway craft beer. So what that means is think back to that moment where you had your first craft beer that really, you know, changed your mind the way you thought about beer? Can, can you remember what beer it was and, and maybe when it was? It's uh, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh, let me think.
1: You having trouble with that one? No,
2: no. I mean, Nick, if you can remember yours, jump right in. Yeah, I'll go down. for it, Nick. I'll yeah. go first.
3: Yeah. So um, I'm from Delaware. I'm from Newark. Um, and then I was going to school out in California. And the husband of one of the professors that I worked for, this was when I was um, in graduate school, he worked at a brewery and he worked at Santa Monica Brew Works. And at the time I, you know, I liked drinking beer, but I didn't really know anything about it. Sure. Yeah. So he kind of, I, you know, I enjoyed speaking to him about it and he tried to convince me that there was more to it. And I remember going to the grocery store just, I know the grocery store down the street from my apartment, and they, they sell beer there at the grocery store. And uh, I looked at all the various names. I didn't know any of them. Uh, but I saw uh, Dogfish Head, right? And I knew that name because I'm from here. And, you know, not to talk to about our immediate competition right down the road, but... Um, I you know I saw dogfish head I saw a bright green can and looked fun and it was their uh black lime and salt uh sour I don't remember names I'm really sequench. bad with it. yeah the sequential and I remember drinking it and thinking this is a beer and just thinking about like all the crazy flavors that was going on and from there you know I just tried as many different things as I could and, well yeah.
1: sequench hasn't been out that long right isn't I mean, how long ago was this?
3: I'm not that old, um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, yeah this this story is only like two years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so yeah,
0: that,
1: that's that's insane. Um, it's just crazy because usually I, I, you know, the answer we get is like uh, Sierra sort, Nevada pale ale, yeah, pale ale or something like that, because it was back in you know 1992 or something when uh, when they had it. You know what I mean? But uh, but that's it. I don't know. I'm just blown away. I'm surprised. I was not that's alive. the first time that somebody was like, "Oh, it's a beer that was just you know came out for the first time you know five years ago maybe, and that was your gateway." So, but that's awesome because I love that beer. That's like, a great
2: I, beer. It really is. Yeah, I yeah. I
1: have I usually just like kind of keep a handful of them in the fridge all summer because eventually somebody's going to get into them. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, definitely.
4: I always wonder what it's like growing up in the beer market now versus even ten, thirteen years ago which is when I kind of started getting into it right around 2010, I could go to my Wegmans and make it through the selection in a couple trips. You know, if I got a mixed six pack in a couple of weeks, I've tried everything. <laughs> right. And now it would take me a year and a half with the different selection out there. The, the selection is so much more vast today than it was even 13 years ago. I can't imagine oh, yeah. Yeah. coming up in it
1: now. Absolutely.
4: Well, I, I, so it, it's funny because I, I
2: grew up in, in Seattle uh, originally, I'm on the East Coast, I was born in Brooklyn, but I grew up in Seattle. And, and that's where I I started drinking. And that's like an old beer town. And people have been drinking craft beer there for ages. Uh, it goes way back. So I remember going to, like, gas stations, and they have a huge selection. And this would have been, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. You know, even back then, you know, get you a gas station would have a huge selection. Let alone you go to your supermarket, and it's just, like... You know a whole aisle of just local craft beer 20 years
1: ago wow yeah yeah it was do you remember was, a specific beer I, I do
2: i do so so funny thing my my parents when i turned 16 my parents were like uh, you know when we grew up it was 18 to drink and we think that 21 is dumb and, and stuff so and even sick even 18 you know whatever so you're 16 so if if you want us to like you know pick up a beer for you yeah. or a four pack at the grocery store or something like that, you're right. not going anywhere afterwards. But yeah. I was like, yeah, that, that awesome. That sounds great, totally. And later that night, my dad was like, going to the grocery store. Anybody need anything? And I was like, four pack of Guinness. Yeah, because <laughs> when you're 16, yeah. like the only beer that you really know, you yeah, know, with my with my Irish ass is uh, <laughs> is Guinness. And uh, so is that. But the beer that like told that like showed me that there was like a lot more. It's like I I never did like the shitty loggers you know. I was never doing that yep. stuff, straight into Guinness, Killian's Red, and then the, the local craft beer that did it for me was Bridgeport IPA out of, uh, out of uh, Bridgeport, Oregon,
1: okay. uh, um,
0: uh,
2: which is just outside of uh, Portland. Uh, they actually just closed down about a year or two years ago, and I was oh, like, wow. no. no
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: but they were like old school Pacific Northwest, so this is like Pacific Northwest IPA that's just like dank. And resinous and bitter AF, and you know, yeah. kind of almost this color as well, and everything, oh, yeah. you know, back how they were back in this would have been, you know, 98, 99, 2000, something like that. So, I mean, they were just that's how they were. But then, like, Red Hook, uh, ESB, that one was a big mm. one for me as well. Uh, anybody knows the Georgetown Brewing Company, their Mongoose IPA, and it was just like, whoa, what is this? And,
4: and uh, just got sucked right into it and started like homebrewing and everything right away, too, right after oh, wow. that. No. See, I, my house was the exact opposite. I was not allowed a drop until I turned 21. <laughs> not the night before, not oh. the week before, not the Christmas before, when every when my Italian family's having a shot of Sambuca at Christmas dinner. I had to be 21. The law's the law. Uh, uh, that was it, <laughs> man. Well, I mean, I don't think you're missing out with the Sambuca on much. But, <laughs> but, uh, 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 but in all honesty, that was a family. Like our whole family, they get the little... Chocolate shot glasses and hors book at the start of dinner, and, but it, so it was more like I felt like I wasn't a part of the family because uh, everybody was <laughs> taking this drink. Well. But once poor, I was twenty-one, Steve one. is sitting in the corner on his once, own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would, I sat at the kids' table until I was like twenty-seven. <laughs> Pain in my ass! I had, right. to, I had to kill off like three ants to get up there.
1: <laughs> Too so funny! Everybody had the kids' table growing up, especially Thanksgiving coming up. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. That was definitely yeah. the thing. Um. So, I kind of want to talk about this place a little bit because um, I, I think we, we said it's been around for a couple years.
2: Yeah, we just had our second anniversary Yeah, so uh, a couple weeks ago.
1: Tell us, um, maybe tell us your, your work background that led you here oh, and then, man. you know, let, let's start with that okay. and, then, and then go into like opening this place. All right. So, like I
2: said, I grew up in Seattle. And uh, pretty quick, pretty young, right away, I, I got into homebrewing. I was living with my older brother at, at the time, and he was trying to do some home brews. and And sorry, Alex, they were garbage, but he knows they were garbage. <laughs> uh, but I got interested, and I was like, "Can I like try this?" Because I think I maybe know what you were doing wrong. And he's like, "Yeah, what?" Yeah. So I started it up, and and just like hooked me, just like art. And and I was just into it. Yeah. And was doing homebrews for like you know once or twice a month at least for a few years and pretty quickly just started developing my own recipes and just like diving headfirst into it and reading all these books. Uh, And it was actually um, uh, my girlfriend, Marguerite, I love you Marguerite, Uh, uh, we're still together. It was her idea to like go back to college and get a degree in something and, and like maybe brewing would be the thing. And we, I was looking around and this was in 2006 and there wasn't anything in the States that was, like, full-on degree. You had UC Davis. You had Siebel. Okay. Uh, some of these programs would do certificates or short programs, but nothing that was, like, an actual degree. So we started looking over in Europe, uh, and I uh, found Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh, Scotland, that has... Uh, undergraduate, postgraduate, master's, PhD, in fermentation sciences, brewing, distilling, all the whole works. They've been oh, wow. doing it for like 150, 200 years, pretty prestigious. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll apply to this and see what happens, and ended up getting in. So we moved to Scotland. Uh, I got a degree in brewing and distilling uh, at Harriet Watt University there. Um, during my uh, summer between junior and senior year, I had to do an internship. Uh, I got hooked up with what was then Scottish in Newcastle, you know like Nuke Brown ale oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they also owned a couple of Scottish brands like McEwen 's which is an old school Scottish beer brand and a few other ones. Um, they had this huge, massive industrial brewery in Manchester in northern England, so I worked there for a summer on a couple of key projects and then when I graduated, they hired me back on as a brewing shift manager as one of their as, on to okay, one, nice. one of their four shifts, so I was there for about three years in a big sixteen we did like Three and a half million barrels a year, eighty-five percent um, of which is Foster's, and the other <laughs> and the other fifteen percent was Cronenberg, which is not half bad. But okay. Foster's is weird. <laughs> uh, learned learned a lot, you know, there. But yeah, also sure. learned
4: a lot about what goes into making these horrible beers. Um, but the thing about that kind of stuff is you got to learn consistency. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking like John. I try and say a word that's more than two syllables. <laughs> I can't say <laughs> you learn consistency from those yeah. kind of yeah. those guys. That's what they strive for.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, uh, managing process to maintain that consistency. There was definitely some good lessons to be learned there. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. But then uh, it, was, it, was, it was time to come back home to the States. We were over there for like seven years. Wow. Uh, and it was time to come back. So I got really lucky and I was looking around and ended up landing on my feet and, uh, uh, with a gig uh, with the Brooklyn Brewery. I was the production manager with the Brooklyn Brewery for about four years uh, out of the Brooklyn facility. Uh, right after they, f- uh, they were just finishing up this big expansion project. And it was, that was a lot of fun. So I had Desk right next to Garrett Oliver, uh, wow, who is yeah. the man. Uh, and just like, I probably learned more from him than I did in the four years at Harriet Watt getting a degree, you know. Learned a lot about about recipe development, about the industry, and, and what a brewery could be like within your community and everything like that. Yeah. Which, which ultimately is got what got me really interested in, in, in the things that, that we do here. Uh, after leaving Brooklyn, um, I was, uh, uh, with the Cape May Brewery in Cape May, New Jersey for about three years as their director of brewing operations. We did a huge amount of growth in the time that I was with them. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was a lot of fun though. It was, New Jersey's got a great booming scene. Uh, they make great beer. Uh, yeah, that was cool. But, um, I really wanted to try like a very small brew pub model. I've always done production breweries that are yep. looking to grow and everything. And I wanted to do something that was a little bit smaller, smaller crew, smaller facility, pair with food, have the kitchen there. I wanted that whole aspect. Um, and so started looking around and when I found Sodell Concepts opening up Thompson Island, I was like, this is, this is fantastic. This is exactly what I want because these guys are great. Sodell's a great company. Yep. Lots of community uh, charity work that we do here and everything. So this was just... Uh, a no brainer for me. And I I love it, you know, much smaller facility. It's great. Yeah. Right. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So Nick, I'll ask you, what's your, uh, your, your beer history? Well, uh, your, your brewing history. Yeah. It's about eight months long. Um, (laughs) A little bit different, huh? Yeah. So, uh, I, I,
3: so I was, uh, at UCLA getting my, uh, PhD in organic chemistry and right about two years in, uh, the COVID pandemic happened, right? Yep. And uh, everything, you know, became like it was what was already hard for me became even harder. And, sure. and, and I decided that, you know, pushing through for that, that five year degree was just too much for me. Yep. Um, and I could see down the line what things would be like because um, it was just going to be more of the same. And, and I decided it just wasn't for me. Um, and so, at the same time, I had, I had like I said, started talking to the, uh, this friend um, who was a husband of, of the professor Haidam, um, and he, uh, you know, he instilled in me some, some, uh, some craft brewing love. And so, when I came back to Delaware, because that's uh, where my family is, I wanted to be closer to my family, I started looking around, and I saw a position here. And I was really interested in, like Jimmy said, a a small facility, Mm -hmm. right? Because I felt like that since I didn't have any experience or anything like that, a place where I would get to do all of it, right? Where I would get to do as varied, uh, you know, stuff as I could would be at a smaller place. And so I I came and I interviewed and it went well, I guess. And so (laughs) now I'm here.
1: What's it been like um, learning the industry and, and learning brewing, you know, at at this scale?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's been uh, very fun. Uh, it was a lot of work, a lot of work the first couple months learning it all. I, I really feel like um, it was kind of like you, you hit the, you like, you know, you, you come in and you're like, oh, what are we going to do today? And it's just like, oh, you're you're learning as many different things as you can, as quick as you can. And, I, th- I you know, I've always thought myself a, a quick learner, so. Um, I think I, I did an okay job, but uh, yeah, definitely those first co- couple of months were um, stressful. Yeah, uh, just learning. You did great, Nick. Yeah, You're <laughs> doing fantastic, man. <laughs> thanks, Jimmy. Couldn't have asked um, yeah, um, so I mean, it's really cool to see what goes on. You know, making the something that I had. You know fairly recently started enjoying. Um, And yeah, and I'm still learning, right? It's only been eight months. So I'm trying to suck up as much as I can into my brain like a sponge. And sure. Yeah,
1: that's where I'm at. It's got to be a pretty rewarding feeling. I think that like when you see everybody here having a good time drinking your beers, posting about them online, you know, um, maybe even seeing people with cans out on the beach or something like that, like, you know, knowing that you guys put the work into it and people are out there just enjoying it, like, it's got to be really cool.
2: That, I mean, that's like the, the number one thing. That's the main reason why I keep coming back. You know, yeah. I, I like brewing, you know, production brewing is, you know, like, like Nick was saying, it's, it's a pretty hard job. There's a lot going on. Uh, you, get, you get pretty busy. You get in the weeds a lot and everything. But uh, I've known brewers who, like, burned out and left the industry and stuff. And actually, a few of them come back because they just, like, miss that. that that's mainly what I miss
4: making something and seeing other people enjoy it. That's yeah. like the number one thing about it. I believe it. Yeah, yeah, that kind of production stuff is almost faceless. Like where you, right where we saw you sitting at, you open the door and you can see a bar full of people actually enjoying your products instead yeah. of just watching it leave on a truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> right.
1: You want to uh, crack the next one? Um, yeah. yeah. Let's do. Let's go with that one. But um, why don't you talk about what it was like? Opening this place Like so You know People can always tell us About what it's like Working for a brewery Brewing beer Stuff like that But what about Actually helping Open a place And and making sure Like I don't know What went into it The equipment um, you know, that, that kind of planning and things? Yeah,
2: it was, uh, uh, it was crazy. I've done some, I've done expansion projects before at, at Brooklyn and at Cape May. Uh, did You know, worked on, uh, um, you know, getting in new tanks to expand our production, new equipment, things like that. But building one from scratch, from the ground up, uh, uh, was even, even tougher, I think. Even more work, obviously. Uh, luckily, when, when I came on, a lot of the equipment that we have here and the setup and the design had already been done. So we're, we're lucky. We have a very close relationship with uh, Trogs Brewing Company, uh, John Trogner, the co-founder and brewmaster. Oh, yeah? yeah? So he actually has a place down here, uh, and he's very good friends with Scott Kammerer, who's the president of Soda Concepts. So Trogs actually consulted with us on building this facility because we consulted with them on their kitchen, up in Hershey when they built that so we asked them like hey you guys we're going to build a brew pub you guys want to consult with us on this and they were like well we've never done consulting before but sure you know yeah yeah, this, this, this sounds like a lot of fun it'd be great so they introduced us to Browcon uh, who built our brew house, great Bavarian manufacturer, QTS, who did all of our fermenters. Uh, they're fantastic uh, out of Michigan or Minnesota. I always forget which one. <laughs> one of those Great Lakes states. This is yeah, I almost
4: see it. it. Wisconsin. it was Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> ah, it's always the, it, yeah. always the one I forget.
2: Uh, so um, the, the equipment had already been selected, mm-hmm. uh, which was great because I start reading... You know, the, the detailed description of this brew house. And he immediately sent uh, my boss, Matt, an email. I was like, this thing is like the Lamborghini of brew houses. Yeah, this right? thing is crazy. It's all manual, but it's very flexible. Uh, and, and we can make uh, any kind of style on it with, with the greatest of ease. It's a fantastic brew house. I love it. It's so intuitive. Uh, I think I've figured out how to brew on it enough to brew in like maybe 15 minutes. With 15 years of experience behind me, sure. On that, but um, it's taking me a
3: little bit longer. <laughs> it's all right.
2: It's all right. You get. You're, you're. You're. It's fantastic. Uh. So. It also like this. This whole building we built from the ground up, but we couldn't really wait for everything before you know. Beer takes a while to make. So like brewing while it's still a construction site is also
0: yeah, <laughs> kind of interesting. Sure, yeah. Yeah.
2: Like when there's not really a door
0: yeah. <laughs> on the side <laughs> yeah, like, yeah.
2: and you've got fermenting beer going in there yeah. and there's like guys Saw like dust. sawing and yeah. kind of, that was the toughest part like yeah. like we had plastic sheeting up because there weren't windows in between yeah. here and the restaurant yet and like plastic sheeting up and like constantly like reinforcing it to keep it up and keep that dust out yeah, and I everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then working with the uh with the contractors like what days are you guys going to be like you know like sanding the mud on the drywall because yeah. i'm not even coming in at all right. on yeah. that day like that's <laughs> yeah. you know sawing wood every now and again i can deal with but that yeah. that drywall mud uh-uh, the dust that, is i'm everywhere. leaving the whole place closed up you know uh <laughs> tighter than a frog's mud hole on that one yeah uh but <laughs> excuse me and uh but um figuring out like you know an opening uh, uh portfolio an opening draft list what mm-hmm. we want to have when we open up uh, there were, I think we dumped one batch of beer that uh, we weren't quite happy with. I think actually batch number zero two got dumped down okay. the drain because we weren't quite happy with that. So I had to like, okay, let's let's get another one of those going. It was actually our flagship IPA. Yep. Uh, it wasn't up to snuff. So, you know, dialing in recipes and everything was actually a lot of fun uh, at the end of the day. Things like that, you know. It was me and uh, uh, another brewer who used to work for us, Drew. Hope you're doing good, Drew. Uh, it was just him and me doing everything. I think we both at one point had to go to the doctor to get stitches, not because of brewing though, it was because of like construction stuff oh, yeah. and everything. At one point. I mean, it was it <laughs> was it was, it was crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it was it was it was crazy. It was a whirlwind. But then when the whole place was done and we opened up, we were just like, wow, just like totally blown away. And this is it was it was worth every minute of you know, brewing on a construction site. Yeah, well, I mean, look,
1: look, think about, you know, however you perceive where you are now compared to that. I mean, it's got to be a pretty cool feeling that you helped put all this together and you guys are as successful as you are.
2: I mean, just the idea of like, you know, knowing what we put together, uh, putting this place together, like, like just like that, that sense of pride and that sense of ownership uh, uh, that 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 i 've got for this place, and that I try to apparently you know like nick 's been here for eight months, and i I want him to feel that as well, yeah you know, and our other brewers too that that uh, maybe haven 't been here since day one because uh, it 's just uh, we we 've done it 's been incredible and and I think we 've done really good stuff and and i I, I think we 're going to be doing even better stuff coming up too yeah're we're, we're,
1: that 's exciting so I, I feel stuff. like I have like this weird unfair bias towards Breweries that I feel like are really a restaurant. That they're like, maybe we can throw in like a brew house and hike, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out and, and we can call ourselves a brewery. You know what I mean? Because I feel like sometimes you can almost see through that when you're when you're there and you're drinking the beer and there's like a lager, a red ale, a brown ale, and a stout, and like that, you know, maybe an IPA, and that's it. I'm like, you know, that's like the same beers that like I don't know. So I I feel like there's an unfair bias that that I end up giving to some of these places. And I'm like really happy to hear every like the actual history and background to everything going on here. So that if anybody were to think that for some reason, they know that like this is an actual brewery with incredibly experienced people that like put a lot of care and attention into the beer that aren't even associated necessarily with anything going on in the kitchen.
2: Yeah, I mean we, we're we're separate. We're doing our own thing over here. Uh, we do coordinate with them a little bit. Our our the our head chef Lou is is amazing. His his, uh, his sous chefs Joe and Ian and and Rusty are fantastic as well. And they do amazing food. And we've done collaborations with them where Joe and Lou have actually like designed and and we helped them brew their own beer. Uh, that they could help tie into the food. We've done beers that we tie into the food. We do, during the off season, we do beer dinners about once a month where Lou will write a recipe and then I'm pairing beers with all the dishes and it's just, it's, it's fantastic. It's a lot of fun to be able to work with a, a chef like that on bringing together food and beer. So like our, 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 one of our core beliefs here at Soto Concepts is uh, um, uh, beautiful, simple food. And I've always thought that way about beer as well. I like beautiful, simple beer. I like experimenting. I like playing around with new flavors. But and this is always the example I use because this was a real beer I saw once when I was living over in Scotland. You <laughs> might be able to guess the brewery that made it just by the description. But it was a. Well, I think I know it before you describe yeah, exactly, it. probably. <laughs> it was a. It Served was in a, a squirrel. <laughs> <sighs> it was a. It a, 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 was a, a bourbon barrel aged. Belgian oh god it was a no it was a dry hot bourbon barrel aged dry hot Belgian stout with some crazy additive into it as well i forget some kind of flavoring in there too yeah. like chocolate maybe or or cinnamon or something like that and i just remember being like that's like why don't you just, like, throw in the kitchen sink in there yeah. while you're at it, you know? And we, you know, I like experimenting, uh, you know, playing around with, with, with mixing and in interesting ingredients, but it's always with purpose, and it's always to still keep the beer balanced. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's vitally important to have a balanced beer. Um, and uh, uh, so I, I was really attracted to that idea of, like, beautiful, simple food, and I was like, I want to do beautiful, simple
4: beer. Uh, uh, yeah. So speaking of, of balanced beer, we're drinking the Thompson Island IPA. Guess that would you'd call that your flagship IPA? Yeah. If I'm not a BCP judge, but I feel like this is written. It's made to almost hit every descriptor in American Pale Ale. American IPA category.
2: Yeah, I think the, the only, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like I, the idea when I was writing the recipe for this was like, this is our flagship. It's got to be like a go to IPA. But the only change that I've made that I think might take it slightly away from the BJCP is, uh, is the bitterness. Brought bitterness. the bitterness down just a hair because these days people don't really want a whole lot of bitterness in their IPAs. So the bitterness in this is a little bit lower. Uh, but other than that, like there's a whole boatload of Cascade at the end of the boil to get that lovely like orange rind and like pine note in there, uh, and then dry hopped with uh, citron and Mosaic, which uh, um, are great hops, fantastic. You almost can't go wrong with them, but not like overly
4: so either. Your uh, no. your boy down here does not remember the IBU battles of was that like 2012 oh, ish? Yeah, around then. Yeah, the, uh, pallet <laughs> crackers. Somebody can't
2: said they can't had like a nine hundred IBU yeah. beer and we were like. Eh. Okay.
4: Yeah, this beer was just so bitter; you could just like <laughs> peel the enamel off your teeth.
2: It was like, uh, I remember when you're a kid and your mom like has to crush up the aspirin pill and a spoonful of water to get you to eat it? It's just yeah. so bitter that quinine. It, it was like that. It was insane. Yeah. So dialing that back a little bit, you know, uh, especially in this area. And you know, I started looking around. And it's like, wow, it's hazy, 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 hazy. It's just all hazy IPAs. And I was like. All right, I don't want to necessarily do that for our flagship, but bring a little bit of that into this beer. A little yeah, bit of that. I, yeah. I think
1: that's a perfect description, is because it's got that look of, you know, the West Coast a little bit, but it's, um, but it, you know, and it, it's not, it's not hazy, it's not incredibly juicy, but it's got tons of citrus. And you're right, it's 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 so, a little bit softer, not as bitter as something that you might consider like a traditional West Coast, which yeah. makes it just. Incredibly easy on the palate and incredibly drinkable. Yeah, I, I mean, love this beer. You know, I mean, it, it, I've gotten four packs of this. Who knows how many weekends? Like, I come down here and I'm thanks, just like, "Man, that's the go-to IPA."
2: That's what I. That was the whole idea. Is like, this is just gonna be. I don't want to like show off. This isn't gonna be. Oh, this isn't gonna be our show-off IPA. This isn't gonna be something that like people go like, "Wow, I've never had anything like that before." I want it to be like, you know what? I can always have that. I'm gonna have
4: like four packs in my fridge all the time. That that's what I wanted. So I so said that kind of leads me into one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys about you know i my family vacations down in ocean city we We drive through here, we usually stop here on the way in and sometimes on the way out there's a was a brewery down there that i'll won 't name that 's not there anymore. you might be able to figure it out um, that we were super excited when it oh this oh, we're going to have a brewery right down the street from our condo. We can walk over there, and my brother and I went there, and it was you walked in and the merchandise section, it was like you were walking through a Disney a Disney World theme <laughs> shop, right? Food, uh, cheesesteak, egg rolls, all kinds of food, great. Oh, that's good food, right? You tried a beer, and it was horrible. I could not tell that their IPA was an IPA. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was like, what is this? I don't even know what this is. But, so that leads me to here. how do you... Approach being in, I'll call it a touristy area. How do you approach that? Do you say, I'm making my beer and I'm making my beer and they're going to come in and they're going to like it or they're not going to like it? Do you say, well, I'm going to set up maybe these two beers that are a little bit more accessible to somebody that's not as experienced as a craft beer drinker? How do you play that that card? Oh,
2: I, I think, like, one one of the great things, because, you know, I, I sort of learned some lessons when I was over at Cape May, because Cape May is also a tourist town. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned is uh, over there is um, when you're in a tourist town, you have new people coming in every week. Uh, and so I was thinking about that, like, you know, uh, we could almost... Every week it's going to be some it's a whole new group of people, because people come down for a week what and then they go back home. What a crazy
1: thing to think about. I didn't really think about it that way, but, like you know we if if i can think about breweries at home there's a lot of regulars there's a lot of people that come back all the time you know and, and a lot of the same people probably revisiting you know what i mean every couple of weeks every 3 weeks yeah. but i mean around here in in a beach town yeah, like, I mean, they're here for the week and then gone. Yeah. and You don't you, see them for another you'll see people, days.
2: Yeah, you'll see people, you know, come back, like, oh, they were here back in June, and now they're back in August, and things like that. They might come down a few, a few uh, times each summer, and they'll come back. There's definitely locals that come in. Like, we're having locals week right now, and, you know, we've got some regulars that come through. But the idea of what, what struck me most is about every week, it's a new group of people. That's a lot of different people coming through, which means it's a lot of different tastes. Uh, you're going to have people who only drink IPAs, people who can't stand IPAs, people who want those fruited sours, people who want stouts, you know. So what what I saw... And that was actually, this gives us the opportunity to have a wide variety. We have to have a variety of beers. We can't just have seven IPAs, five fruited sours, a stout and a pilsner. Like that's not gonna satisfy all the people coming down around here. So we gotta have, you know, we're brewing up a Kolsch right now. We've got a Belgian Strong Golden Ale, our Thompson Fest that we drank before. I think we only have like four or five IPAs on 13 taps right now. Uh, Everything else is something else. Two fruited sours, bourbon barrel aged stout, cause sweet stout, things like that. So it's nice having a variety, which actually I found really enticing uh, as well. I didn't want to just be keep IPA, 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 fruit sours, fruit and sour, IPA. I, I mean, that's just as a as a brewer, just. Boring as hell, you know. Yeah, and it's boring uh, as a drinker too. Yeah, I bet. So,
1: what yeah. about like if if you know I don't know what the percentage is, but if you've got so much business happening in the summer months, I mean, I think everybody's numbers go up at every brewery and restaurant in the summer. The only right. brewery I've ever heard of
2: who actually has their peak in the winter is Left Hand, because the Nitro Stout is their flagship. So oh, that's wow. so their peak is in the winter, whereas yes, every other brewery's peak is in the summer, yeah. regardless of where you are. But a beach yeah. town
1: is got to be, you know, just amplified by 10 as far I would think, as far as like the yeah. number of people in town and things like that. So, you know, does that change the recipes? Are there more fruited sours, more lower ABV beers, things that are more crushable in the sun or
2: Yeah, I mean, you definitely you definitely take seasonality into it. You know, we're not going to come out with a big imperial bourbon barrel-aged stout in the middle of yeah, August. Yeah, right. But like the I think the main thing for us about the summer is um like doing like a proper Hellas or a, like a proper Pilsner yeah. uh, style lager is something that, that we weren't really able to do in the summer and, and, and keep up with the production that we need. You can't take one of these tanks. We only have five fermenters, uh, so we can't really take one of them and have it sitting out for six weeks while we're making a beer like that. So, But luckily, we've we've uh, been experimenting and, and we have a lager on all the time now. Uh, Southern Delaware style lager that is, is is really nice. Totally crushable, easy, clean. Yeah, great going stuff um it's uh it utilizes um uh some interesting new developments in order to make it i'll leave it at that yeah <laughs> Nick, I don't know, like like, what what do you see in in uh you know like the the summertime crowd do you uh, have you noticed like you know difference because sometimes it, to me it might just be like i'm not even really thinking about it it's just like yeah it's july now so we're gonna be making this
3: well i i definitely see like which which things like um move out the door faster, you know, when I'm organizing the walk-in, I, I, I kind of get a sense for, for which things are going to stick around and, and which uh, are, are, are moving out. And, you know, so since it's only been eight months for me, I'm every time the, the season shifts, I have to reevaluate, right? I, I have to get used to, to how people are changing. So maybe, like, something that I thought that we'd be selling super fast is maybe going slower. Like, for example, I think that um, sours, the fruited sours, uh, definitely during the summer move pretty quickly and you know kind of slows down about now yeah um so it for me it's 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 uh it's all a first so uh sure. i don't know that uh, i <laughs> have a sense
1: for it yet but uh hopefully i will yeah what's your favorite style to brew do you, you know, have one so like style to brew
2: i'll, I'll be honest and and when we've said this a couple of times here There, i you know I never I will never get over the smell of mashing in a stout mm. yeah. like like mm. just that aroma that it just permeates everything the whole brewery smells like it it gets into the restaurant and everybody's just like what is yeah. that <laughs> and the the vapor going up the stack you can smell it all around the block and it's just it's so much more fragrant than any other style of beer so like in order to brew like the actual act of brewing I love making stouts like just for that like it's just so wonderful doing those um and I, I love doing, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going with that, like a bourbon barrel-aged stout. I love getting funky barrels, you know, something a little uh, off the beaten path. Uh, so, like, last year we got, uh, so for we have uh, an annual uh, bourbon barrel-aged stout that we released for our anniversary called Once Around the Sun. The one that we did last year was aged in Basil Hayden's barrels which is basil hayden's is a really interesting whiskey because they use a little bit more rye than most other american bourbons do without getting to the level of being a rye whiskey so that extra note of like pepper and spice uh and, and and like that earthy rye tone having that come through into into the stout really intrigued me and then the once around the sun that we did for this year uh was aged in two bourbon barrels and one european port barrel and then we blended them back together uh, and blend it so it's like you got that bourbon note, but then like this lovely like dried dark fruit raisin sweet note from the port barrel as well. So I love taking stouts and playing around with different barrels to age them in, carbonate them up like crazy effervescent, I, yeah, and then let it age in my cabinet for another like two years as well. I saw that on the yeah. menu and I was
1: like, holy crap. Like I don't know, I don't know that I've heard of you know, um, uh, whiskey barrel and then port barrel also. Like, I don't, I don't know, I just can't think of too many times I've had that.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, when this but is something sounds that amazing. I learned at Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, when I was at Brooklyn, Garrett Oliver, we were getting in Mezcal barrels, we were getting in wine barrels, we were getting in uh, cognac barrels. Uh, obviously, like, back then, all of the bourbon barrel aging we did was with Woodford Reserve. Uh, now, that like, the, the Black Ops is with Four Roses, which is still a great bourbon as well. And uh, so, but, like, just seeing all the different flavors that you can get from barrels, like, that just latched on to me. That um I lived in Scotland for four years and my degree that I got there was in brewing and distilling and I worked at one of the top whiskey retailers in the city in the, in the country uh, uh, while I was there and I actually I totally fell in love with whiskey mostly scotch I actually almost left brewing to go into distilling instead yeah. halfway <laughs> through my degree because I, I, I completely fell in love with it but one of the interesting things about Scotch whiskey is they're not restricted on the kinds of barrels that they age the whiskey in. You know, bourbon is always in virgin white American oak. It has to be by law. Uh, But Scotch, they're usually ex-bourbon, but they'll do sherry, port, uh, uh, sauternes, all sorts of different barrels. You get these really, really cool, interesting flavors. So, like, that kind of influence. Like, Scotch is doing these really interesting things with barrels, and I want to bring that to... You know, Because, again, kind of like with the hazies, like, oh, another bourbon barrel aged stout. Oh, another bourbon barrel aged stout. Oh, another bourbon barrel aged stout. Like, I want to play around with yeah. it and, and give it a little bit extra something. Let's get some basil haydons. Let's get some. So let's mix a little bit of port in there as yeah. well. Back at Cape May, we did one that was all aged in really heavily peated Scotch whiskey barrels. You know, like the Lafroy art bag, that really smoky, Smoky, super, super smoky. And it was probably the most divisive beer I've ever seen. (laughs) Half of the people were like, this is disgusting. I can't even finish a batch. And the other half were like, this is the greatest beer I've ever had in my life. Like, there was no middle ground. It was hilarious. But I'm excited about that. That was like, excited me. That idea of like, so many people can, you know, what are we going to get from this one? What are we going to get from that one? Yeah, so that was a fun one. So on the next one, uh, we are getting we got some cognac barrels from France, some French oak, limousine oak uh, coming over uh, that we're going to be doing because I love that flavor, too. That the flavor that you get off of cognac is incredible. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you get any input on the cocktails here?
2: Uh, not so much. I'm not much of a cocktails guy okay. myself. No, no. I tried doing, like, a
4: beer mosa for one of our yeah. brewer's lunches
2: a while ago, and it <laughs> did, did not didn't work. work. It didn't work. <laughs>
4: We call that the Man Mosa. Yeah, no, it wasn't. What
1: that. about the guest drafts? Because, I, you know, I think that's um, somewhat unique. I see that sometimes in some breweries, but you've got some guest drafts, and uh, I was really impressed that you guys have, like, a nice cellar list also.
2: Oh, yeah, so so that cellar list is uh, – uh, we were really, like, trying – like, we want to make sure that it's not just, like, you know, American-style craft beer. So we've got this cellar list that's got, like – uh, Triple Carmelite, we've got some Ode Goose on there, Trey Fontaine, uh, but also like some Allagash and Three Brothers or Three Floyds, uh, and like a whole crazy list of different things uh, going on there because. We also like, and this is, this sort of gets to, like one of the things that, that, that Garrett Oliver taught me is that like breweries can be a, a, a place for the community. And, and that's one of the reasons why I want to try Brew Pub, because I think in particular, a Brew Pub can definitely be like a community center. And if we want it to be like a place where the community can go and relax, we also want it to place, be a place where the community can go and celebrate. And sometimes that might require something a little bit more special from, from abroad. And, and uh, uh, so let's, let's get something like that going on. Uh, guest drafts as well. You know, there's some other great breweries that are doing some really, really cool things around here. And maybe we don't have the capability to do it. Like, I can't do barrel-aged sours. You know, we're just sure. not set up for doing something like that. So let's get some of, you know, cool things like that in here and, and, and still have that variety for yep. the huge amount of people that are coming to the area.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's so crazy, like uh, just the, the idea that there are so many. It's, it's, it's nice that you guys are taking that approach to be here for all those different tastes that might be walking through the door that have such varying um, interest in styles or whatever they want that you guys can cater to any of it. I think it's really, really neat that um, that you guys can do that, and that there, there, there's so many people that I don't know. It's, it's just crazy to me that like there's to have that um, that approach, I guess. So I don't know. I think that's really neat. I saw your oh, your buddy cool. um, Trogues on here, mm-hmm. yeah. A grand Crew on there, no. yeah, yeah. On the barrel on the on the bottle list, but um, I completely lost track of where <laughs> I was at. I was trying to show it to you. Yeah. There. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Is it the, oh, the Mad Elf, the Mad Elf Grand Cru. Grand Cru. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that Mad Elf, that's, that's a great beer. That Mad Elf is fantastic.
4: I, I, I got to wait a year.
2: Oh, you get the bottle and then let it sit, let for, it another, sit for a year. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. sweet spot. Right, yeah.
1: You want to crack another one? Let's yeah, go for well, another got, let's do, we're going
2: to do this one next, right? Yep. Yeah. All
1: right. Shoot for an hour or an hour and 20. So I think about right. every 15 or 20 minutes, Sounds good. we'll have to crack another one.
2: I got to wash out my glass here.
1: Yeah. Which one is this?
2: This is, uh, so this is Delaware Devil. Uh, it's a Belgian strong golden ale. Uh, you know, the whole Belgian thing with calling things after devils and, and stuff like that and, and whatnot. The Red Devil soccer team, right? Yeah, yeah. Their, yeah well the you got their soccer uh, team.
4: Uh, Duval. Their football team. Sorry. Did I offend yeah. anybody? No, yeah, <laughs> not at all. It's called <laughs> soccer. You know, you know what? Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. Yet. Go <laughs> ahead. We're. We can. No, we can't edit. I'm, mm. I'm just messing with
0: you.
2: I'm <laughs> <laughs> just gonna get you in trouble. Yeah. Um, the stack along. Yep. Thank you. So,
1: what about? Um. So I think about what this town might have been like. Uh. I, I don't know. Maybe ten, fifteen years ago, and I imagine everybody had all the macro options available, and then, um, dogfish head, right? Like, just everybody probably had something on like a Dogfish Head 60 Minute or whatever. And uh, I'm really curious to know, like, you know, maybe from the Cape May side, maybe you saw some of the changes happening on on that side of the bay where, um, you know, the craft beer, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, the growth was happening in these beach towns and and people were more and more into craft beer. How is it, um, you know, how how do you get your claim or, or get your share of the market with, uh, with all the other options that are out there. Uh,
2: uh, I mean, Nick, do you know more about what it was like here 10, 15 years ago? I mean, 10, 15 <laughs> years ago, I was
3: not drinking beer, You're but, drinking. uh, yeah. I definitely, I mean, I know that when I came here, you know, we used to vacation here when I was a kid and, uh, it definitely did not look like it does now. It has uh, kind of grown, I feel exponentially. I honestly, you know, I hadn't been here in maybe like six or seven years. Um, when the when I came here, you know, just a year ago, and I was blown away at, at how much larger the town had become, and and all the the kind of like, um, you know, the how much the community had kind of grown. It, it's it's insane to me. So I, I'm assuming, you know, I don't know. I'm assuming that's also happened with beer. Um, I like I said, wasn't drinking 15 years yeah, ago, sure but uh, uh, yeah, that's my guess.
2: Well, I think like like uh, one of the things that I've noticed around here is, is that um, uh. Like on like on a good day, like when I'm driving down or driving home or something like that, all all the breweries are packed. All the breweries in the area are yeah. packed. You know, there's there's enough people here to uh, uh, to sustain it. So I think it might have been more like back then, the, it was it was a beer desert. And now we're finally, like, we got, like, a nice little oasis uh, in, in Delaware here, down here. because There's some great beer that's being made down here. You know, Dewey down the road, and Revelation, like, pretty much across the street. Crooked Hammock and Big Oyster up the road yeah. a bit. Dogfish Heads Brew Pub. and well, You know, there's a lot of really good beer being made around here. You guys
1: collab with anybody?
2: We did a collaboration with Revelation. Uh, right across uh, the street. Yeah. Uh, we... Um, uh, uh, there's definitely a lot of, like, hey, man, I'm out of uh, Dextrose. Can I borrow a bag, yeah. a bag of Dextrose for you? Okay, I'll be up there in 10 minutes. You, you got can trays? I need, I need can trays. You know, we do that with uh, Big Oyster quite a lot yeah. uh, as well. Um,
0: well. that's nice that you guys it? are yeah. that friendly. No, yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. We're I mean, definitely friendly, yeah. yeah it seems, it friendly.
1: seems to be, like, regardless of what the competition's like, that all the breweries in, in certain towns, like, they all just are usually extremely friendly and yeah. willing to help each other out, and we're all here. Well, what, think, what do you
4: always say, Mr. Steve? Uh, rising tide brings that's, up all
2: ships. That's, that's the Absolutely. one. Absolutely, very true. That's very, very true. Uh, I, I I did notice, you know, when I was over in Cape May, when when I started there, uh, the Cape May Brewery was. I think there was them and only one other brewery in Cape May County. Uh, and and that now was there's kind of a dead spot. Yeah, for and now there's like like seven or eight, mm-hmm. uh, and they're and they're doing really good. Uh, and you know everybody's got their own little niche. You know either the area that they're in or the size they that they are or something like that. And and what I wanted to do with here and 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 the the the, the it was it was clear that the feeling was mutual uh, with uh, the guys you know who were who were designing this place you know and and hired me is that. Whether like oh we do this kind of beer or we do you know we our place is like this and caters to that blah 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 those are all just just gimmicks and at the end of the day are not going to sustain you what's going to sustain us is making better beer than everybody else that's what's going to sustain us we got you know so looking at the technical aspect of beer making technically. Uh, proficient beer, consistent beer, consistency isn't just from brand to brand, you know, every batch of IPA, but a, a consistent quality across all brands uh, and everything is, is something that we really strive for here. And, just, and, and our, our main goal is we're going to make better beer than everybody else.
1: Yeah, I think about somebody like Dewey where, um, you know, no, no knock to them, but when I think about them, I imagine, you know, they're super cloudy, soft, hazy IPAs and they're sours. And that and that's just, you know, when I think of them, those are the two styles that come into mind. And Thompson Island, to me, I feel like is, you know, a million options, like just all good beer. Like there's like everything there, like just like every style is good. You know what I mean? And I, maybe I just don't have enough Dewey experience to know for sure that they've got a bunch of other solid stuff on the menu. But I, I guess it's kind of neat that. The way you just said that is like when I think of them, I kind of put them into these two categories. And when I think about you guys, it's like there's a whole plethora that I go th- with the fucking words. I don't why. <laughs> that one was a good one, though. I think you did well. You, I did You, all right. you all right. doubted all right. yourself halfway through. I did. Yeah, I did. That. I shot myself down, but uh, you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah.
2: No. Th- thanks, man. And, and and like I said, like that's that that's intentional. We want we want a variety of styles on to to satisfy all palates and and uh, and also like as 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 brewers one of the things that I've gotten to do here that I haven't really gotten to do at, at previous breweries that I've done uh, that have been at is, is is playing around with different styles that maybe aren't like too crazy popular like we did a dunkel a few months ago I mean when was the last time somebody that you saw somebody brew up a Dunkelweiss? and it was it was a lot of fun uh, we had a blast with it um, we've done we have right now we have fermenting uh, we're doing a kolsch uh, like a proper Kolsch. We're not going to dry hop it or something like that. There's some really good dry hop kolsches out there. But this is like, no, I want like yeah. a traditional German Kolsch. Um, we did. It was funny. We went to Germany a few weeks ago oh, yeah? to inspect. Because we're opening up another brew house, another brew pub okay. uh, down in Ocean View. And so we were over in Germany to ins- inspect the equipment there and-, and talk with the guys. And we, uh, uh, Braucon also owns a brewery in Bavaria as well in the same okay. facility. I mean, imagine being a brewer where there's a brewery manufacturer literally on the other side of the wall, and they have the best toys. But so we were saying we were, we want to do a, col- a, a collaboration. And what would you guys want to do? And without hesitating, they were like, we want to do a New England IPA. And I was like, really? You guys want to do it? Is that even going to yeah. sell in Germany? Like, right? As far as I'm concerned, you guys are still just like, Pilsner, Helles, Hefeweizen, yeah. Dunkel, that's yeah. all. No other beers exist. <laughs> and
4: uh, how do they know what New England is?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, come on. Well, I, think they call it, I think they called it an NEIPA. <laughs> N-E-I-P-A. I mean, I
3: think it's like uh, what? The, the, what you were saying with the Dunkelweiss, right? Like, who has done a Dunkelweiss, you know, hear about it, And then they're doing the same thing, yeah. but just in reverse. That's what, yeah, they're yeah. just like, nobody's done a New England yeah. IPA over here.
2: <laughs> we, we, we did, like, freak them out, though, because we were, like, we, we came up with a recipe ahead of time and picked which hops we were thinking of doing for the dry hopping. Yeah. But when we got there, we would do a rubbing and figure out exactly what ratio and, and exactly how much. So I did the math ahead of time, thinking, okay, we do usually X amount of pounds per barrel for a beer like this. Let's convert that to kilograms per hectoliter, because that's how they do it in Germany, <laughs> right. and, and everything. So, converted it all through, and I was like, well, so I'm figuring we're going to need about uh, uh, somewhere between 1 to 1.5 kilograms per hectoliter, closer to like the 1.2 range, somewhere in there. That's about 3 pounds per barrel. And they were like, so we're doing a 20 hectoliter batch. So I was like, yeah, it's so like just over 20 kilos is what we would need. And they were like on the side, just like,
4: do we have, do we have that many hops? Yeah. <laughs> so we normally,
2: the most we've ever put into a dry hop is three kilograms total. And you want to do 20 kilograms. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you guys, you guys said this is what you want to do,
0: right? This is, what we're, this is what we're doing.
2: And they were like, okay. I was like, I'll come in and help. I'll come in tomorrow oh, and help. We, we, they have this, uh, they call it the hop gun. That Browcon makes, and it's uh, it's uh, a big cylinder, and it's got various inlets that the beer comes into, okay. and then like one outlet through a spear in the middle, and there's also one on the top. So you put the hops in, you can mix them all around, and then push it through, get them all dissolved and really well homogenized into the beer and everything. Uh, and we jammed that thing up like four different <laughs> times. <laughs> really pushed it. Oh, but that's wow. when they come to commission Ocean View. We're gonna brew up a Doppelbock. Uh, which again is like, not something like, I think like Troganator is probably like one of the few double that yeah. you see, like at least in this area, let alone anywhere in the U S so like just cool styles like, oh and this will be, you know, we're looking like early spring, perfect time to do a double Great. Right. Awesome. So, you know, these like odd styles that you don't really see around, you know, we get the opportunity to do that. And that's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're finally, for the first time in my career, we're going to maybe do decoction mash. Oh my God. Yeah, i right? never done Use that valve.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The nameless valve. <laughs> So, speaking of styles you don't see a lot of, we are drinking the Belgian Golden Ale.
2: Yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, Delaware Devil. So, I, I love Belgian ales when we were in Germany. We also spent a couple of days in Brussels uh, drinking a lot of Belgians, no, mostly Trappist and Sours, visited uh, Brasserie Cantillon. I love Belgian beers. Um, and one of the things that I love about Belgian ales is... It's kind of a bit of a no-brainer. It's like just gives fuel for the yeast to do its thing. You know, the malt is kind of secondary. The hops are kind of secondary. It's really like find that yeast strain that you want and give it the right conditions to do what it's going to do because it's, it's just so expressive. Uh, so this is, I like using the Belgian Ardennes strain. Um, I don't know what other names that goes under. It's the uh, it's the Le Chouf strain. Uh, so a lot of breweries use it, but... It's got, I think, a, a better balance between the like the flowery and stone fruit esters and that clovey, spicy phenol to where that phenol isn't quite so overpowering. Also, no acid aldehyde. You, you don't ever get any of that green apple flavor with the Ardennes. Very, very little, uh, like at the start of fermentation. But by the time you're ready to, to, to rack it off, that stuff is gone uh, ages ago. I'm not so a that's huge Belgian
1: well. guy. Um, I was, was going to say that. Yeah, so like a lot of times the Belgian yeasts – like I'm just usually out right away. Mm-hmm. I I can totally drink this beer. And I think like what you were just saying even though it's way over my head as mm-hmm. far as the technical things going on with the brewing, um it it kind of makes sense to me because I feel like it's not as funky. It's got it's got plenty of that Belgian flavor, but there's a balance to it that makes it a lot more palatable for me than most of the Belgians that I have.
2: Yeah, as, as much of a, of a negative connotation as it might be, I like to think of myself as like the Thanos of breweries, like all <laughs> things all things in balance. Hey, you were saying, when are we going to get to the Marvel? There we go, you know. Uh, all, all things in balance, though, but balanced beers to me are really, really important. Uh, and and w- even if it's like a New England IPA that is just like super, super hoppy, I don't want it to be... Uh, here's, here's a great uh, example. I was drinking some beers uh, at a previous brewery I worked at, and somebody brought down this beer. I'm not going to say the brewery or uh, anything like that, but they, the beer literally on every aspect, the body, the flavor, the carbonation level even, was just pineapple juice. And I was like, mm. and they're like, wow, this beer tastes like pineapple juice. I was like, yeah, that's dumb.
0: <laughs> like, but yeah. it's like, it,
2: like, if I wanted pineapple juice, I would just drink pineapple yeah. juice. But like, there isn't even really any carbonation in this, which leads me to think, like, technically, what do these guys think are doing? Yeah. But, like, if I'm going to make an IPA, yes, it's going to be super hoppy, and the balance is going to lean towards that. But I want the aromas in those. Okay, so, yeah, there's pineapple. But maybe get a little mango, a little grapefruit, maybe a hint of that. Pine- you know, whatever. Play yeah. around with it each time. I don't want to just be like, this beer tastes like pineapple. Like, that's not balanced. Uh, So with this Belgian ale... You know, we fermented it a little bit cooler to uh, to keep that, like, super expressive Belgian ester and phenol profile down a little bit so that it is a little bit more approachable. Yeah. Uh, it also, keeping it cooler helps with the booziness, too. This is 8.6%. Holy shit, yeah. And does I not taste it, it. it at no. all. No, mm-hmm. da- not at all. That's that's a trick that I learned. Thank you, Garrett. That's another great trick I learned from you. If you, if you ferment it, just, even just like one or two degrees Fahrenheit cooler, you keep those fusel alcohols down that keeps that booziness away. Uh, even on a big beer
1: like this yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome do
4: yeah. you like it uh, uh, I'm the opposite of John yeah. I am He's a the huge Belgian, Belgian guy. guy that when we talk about my gateway beer it was it was the Belgian family that, yeah. that made me say wow there's more than just fizzy yellow water that I this stuff's got so much flavor mm-hmm. to it and I really like it the yeast is there but like you said it's not it's not the star of the show which a lot of times the Belgian yeast become it makes itself the star, right? Yeah. But this that spiciness, I really like that spiciness. Yeah, it's there and it's it's a, I, it's I, a really I like, nice
2: balance. I, there's a uh, uh, there's a little bit of biscuit malt. In here, which kind of, you know, there's that little, like, sort of crackery, biscuity kind of malt note in there. Just just kind of like hanging on, just like sort of like on the edge there. But just something like that, you know, a little playing around with little things like that.
3: And yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, so I I actually have a bit of a homework assignment this week uh, with uh, this beer and the next beer where I have to do an assessment. Um, and so, great work, everyone. This is really helping yeah. me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but I, I did want to, you know, maybe practice and say that. For me, what I really love about this beer is that it has kind of a transition, right? Where at at the beginning, it's very bright and refreshing, and then afterwards you're you're left with that spiciness that you can, and you can kind of just like see oh wow that's kind of cool you know and maybe that would make people want to try more belgian beers you know what i mean it's like you drink it and at first it's just this nice light refreshing beer and then you're left with this kind of spiciness afterwards that that makes you think wow this is actually kind of fun
4: this is kind of tasty yeah the quads is what got me yeah belgian quads is what, what pushed me into the pool into the deep end I I had
3: uh
2: um, after
4: you're
3: 21 of course. <laughs>
2: yeah. There <laughs> of course. was uh, uh the neighborhood I was living in in Seattle Ballard. Uh there was this bar there and I'm not sure if it's there anymore. Cause Seattle's really changed in last like 15 17 years or whatever how long ago I left. And um We call Browers all Belgian ales, nothing but 30 taps and 300 bottles in the back, all Belgian ales. Uh, Some like not from Belgium, but all Belgian style, you know, so like lots of, you know, Chimay and, uh, 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 Tre Fontaine and like, you know, the the usual Le Chouf and all that stuff, but then also like Unibrew out of Montreal, a lot of Allegash as well, New Belgium back then when they were like doing like a lot of Belgian, actual Belgian style ales, uh, and everything. And, uh, I remember going there and, like, even even back then, I had quite a tolerance. If I was going out to the bar, I could go and probably have, like, six or seven full-on pints or maybe even more get into, like, you know, nine, ten range before I'm, like, fall down drunk. But every time I went to Broward, it's like, okay, I got to be really careful because I'm only going to be able to have three. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm going to be on my face. Uh, So I got to be really careful about which three I'm going to pick this time.
4: A full glass of a quad will... We'll, well, you'll know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll know what's going It'll hit on. hit you.
1: How about distribution? What do you guys... Is there distribution going on? I mean, I know I've definitely seen you in stores. No, you haven't. No, I haven't. If
2: you, if you have, they're doing it illegally. Okay. And that's I another part for sure that actually I, I'm really okay. excited. You have to come here to have it. Yeah. You have, to, you have gotcha. to come see us. You know, come see us. Say hi to Nick. Say hi to me. Mm. Uh, say hi to, 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 to the chefs and everything. Uh, it's a very friendly atmosphere. Uh, I really dig that. Uh, we do distribute to our other restaurants. Other okay. restaurants in the Sodell Concepts group. There are... 12 others uh, between uh, Lewis, Rehoboth, Bethany, Ocean View, and Fenwick. Uh, So uh, we do send our beer to them through a distributor, but not to anybody else. Gotcha. Uh, Definitely not in in liquor stores or anything like that. And again, that I like because um, I didn't, you know, I don't want to chase production growth. Yeah. You know, and if you're not distributing, Uh, like literally here, like we've got five fermenters when they're full and we're, and we're turning them over as quickly as we can. It's like, "Eh, there's, there's, there's no other room. You guys, you know, I mean, unfortunately people listening can't see, but there's no other room. There's no other room for other fermenters. There's not a lot of room in here. This is is, is it. This is how much we can make. It's a little tight. So, uh, I mean like, like 85, 90% of our beer goes out these doors. Um, And, uh, and I'm actually fine with that because instead of chasing increased production, we're chasing increased, uh, 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 um, increased quality, yeah. increased technicalness, you know, things like that. Uh, which, as again, as a brewer, I'm much happier chasing making the beer better than chasing yeah. how can I make more.
1: We've had that conversation before. There's, you know, it's not the day where there's, um, you know, just uh, just Sierra Nevada Pale Ale out there is, is a craft beer option, or or maybe a Trogue's or a Stone. Right there's there's so many options out there. So like. A Having, like, a, um, a local great brew pub that's incredibly fresh beer where you can come, have a good time, have a good experience, take a couple four-packs home, a couple crowlers with you, is, um, I think, probably the best, most sustainable model right now.
2: I, I agree. I really like it. and I think um, that's become apparent over the last... Five, 10 years mm-hmm. that the idea of like large regional breweries, you know, during during uh, uh, the recession, during the, uh, uh, the the pandemic shutdown, they're the ones who got hit the hardest. So, yeah, you know, and small hyper local brew pubs where you've got this is like not just like my Townsbury, but like my neighborhood uh, yep. is 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 really going to be the way forward. Uh, and I think freshness is a big part of it. So, like our, our Thompson Island IPA, any day that you come in, I guarantee you what you're drinking is no more than two weeks old. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. That's you know, amazing. We're turning that we're ha- we're turning that over so quickly. I so. do
1: like the new cans. The new cans are nice. Yeah, they're nice, aren't they? they Yeah, out really good. It's clean. Yeah, very. Clean. Yeah, yeah really that's, nice. a, that's a good word for it. It's clean. Yeah. Let's uh, let's crack one more All before right. we uh, we get into the toast.
2: Ah uh, yes. All right. So this last one here is uh, so we've got a new series out for our like our one-off our, our new IPAs uh, shop talk. So shop talk, you know, everybody knows shop talk and what they're doing when they're on their, you know, doing talk and shop and everything. So we have like restaurant shop talk, uh, and that's what these are. So this one is door. Uh, that's the name of the beer. You have to say it exactly like that. Door, uh, which you'll hear probably about like a hundred times a day. If you ever work in a restaurant, you're laughing. You know exactly what I mean.
4: I want to hear uh, uh, behind you IPA next. Oh yes, behind, behind, behind.
2: so and then that's the one that rough, I don't though. Though. think the, I, I don't think we're gonna do
4: is hot behind
2: corner. So should, yeah, 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 corner, be hot behind. Hot behind <laughs> I think we might leave that one alone, which is oh, a real come thing. Yeah, have some courage. Yeah. <laughs> so so this is door. Uh, and um, hazy IPA. Um, the there's an thing, exclamation mark on there the there
3: can. Yes, yes. for
4: people people listening. Just so you know, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, not a lot of explanation just, points in beer titles. Yeah. yeah.
1: So what what's the fruit I'm getting right off the, the nose? Because I'm You're not. Like, me. It's I'm not. Um, it's funny. We educated. were do, we were
2: doing a tasting, uh, not of this, but of our flagship IPA, and I was like, for me, I get candied orange. And, mm. and like ripe pressure fruit uh, not on this beer on a different one and there's some people it's like I don't get orange at all I get like tons of grapefruit and stuff and like so like people's, people's aromas are you know it can, can be
4: slightly different I was, I'm getting a little pineapple
1: yeah I mean I'm just like I'm getting yeah. tropical fruit but I can't like I wish I had like it's, the, the palate to say like for always. me it's,
2: it's like it's, it's a uh, uh, it's a blend of, of pineapple and mango maybe a little bit of papaya mm. in there as well
3: mango is the one that really yeah. jumps out to me yeah
2: uh, I, I still get, and this, it, it might just be my palate and the way that it works with like these sort of citrusy hops. I always get like candied orange. Yeah. Uh, is, I, I always get that. Um, yeah.
1: Is that from the, um, like the hopping and the temperature that it's at that it's kind of giving it like that little bit of caramel to it or what do you think?
2: No, so that is, uh, that's from the malt on this one. So this is, this is a hazy IPA Uh First of all, no bittering hops. The very first hop addition was in the Whirlpool, okay. which we did pre-cooling, which is why it's so smooth. There's like no it's bitterest. It's so trincy. soft. Yeah. So, so <laughs> soft. There's, I think uh, on the recipe uh, builder that I use, it came out at 1.7 IBUs. Okay. Uh, like literally out. <laughs> so in the Whirlpool was this hop called Waiiti, which comes from New Zealand. It's a beautiful hop, but it's derived from noble hops, so it only has like 2.8% alpha acids, so it's super low. And then dry hopping, you don't really pick up much bitterness from there uh, anyway. Yeah. But but so it's mostly Pilsner malt and then a fair amount of wheat and then just a handful of honey malt, which tastes like the name suggests. You know, it's got this little honey sweetness in there. And I, I put that in there, that, uh, that's what I think that you're getting that slight caramel note because yeah. it helps accentuate. The the, the 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 sweet notes of the hops as well kind of giving away all my secrets here uh, you know it's it's a little trick that i do in some of our hazy ipas just to help like it help it can help accentuate help bring out if you're if you're getting something that's like really tropical and not so much stone fruit you can like help accentuate a little bit with just a just like just a dash of of of, uh, of a Gambrina's honey malt
3: we're on the fourth beer now so definitely try and get the secrets out of jimmy now <laughs>
2: this is the time um. Yeah, so, but, like, and these are, this is the kind of beer, like, it took me a while to get into New England IPAs. I was like, what? You know, I would, I remember the first time I ordered one, I remember where I was. I was in a bar in Utica, New York. Okay. And I ordered a beer that just said IPA, and I was like, sure, I haven't heard of that one. And, and he put it down, and I was like, what the... Is, is that the end of the cake? This. What? Is that the end of the cake? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I asked for beer, not orange juice. Yeah. So what is going on with this? But then, like, the aroma just like, John was like, what the hell? I was like, this is, there's no bitterness. This just tastes like fruit juice. What the, is, uh, huh? And uh, so it, it took me a while to get on, especially being from the Pacific Northwest. I want dank and resin. Yep. I want my beer to smell like weed, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, uh, but uh, I, I I see now the the attraction of it and a yep. big part of it is that low bitterness I get a lot of, we get a lot of people coming in here who are like I hate IPAs <laughs> this is really good then I was like it's that low bitterness it's that low bitterness that's doing it and and uh, I love playing that 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 game with the bitterness
3: and the hoppiness. maybe they do remember the IBU war then maybe they do
2: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that's how they remember uh, IPAs were all you know bitter beer face and all that. But what's no. your
1: take on it? I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, they, they maybe look down on hazy IPAs and, um, you know, fruited sours and things like that. And they're this trend that's easy to hide behind. And, you know, we, we hear things like that from, you know, um, the the super beer geeks and, and some brewers and things like that. Um, but, you know, I, I, for one, like the style because both of those styles, because of uh, just how... Um, delicious they are. They're they're very palatable. There's nothing that, um, you know. But but I also like them because I feel like they're bringing more new new people into our space into the craft beer world where they can start off with something hazy with that low IBU, and and really get a a feel for you know the breweries that they like that are doing that style or um, just get into beer in general and then start upping it up and then start yeah. to appreciate the the west the coast, west coast style. And, yeah and move whatever, into yeah. that
2: or 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 like some crazy super funky barrel aged wild brett loaded uh sour ale this like uh, i never thought i would love a beer that tastes like horse blanket yeah. you know or something <laughs> <laughs> but um, my favorite descriptor is horse blanket I, I yeah blanket. But the the <laughs> like like what you were saying about you know bringing more people into the fold I'm not a religious man Th- this, is, this is my church that we're yeah, sitting yeah. in now and, and, and we're drinking my gospel you know and I love the idea of, of bringing more people on, yeah. onto and into the flock here's a long word were. for your
3: proselytization yeah <laughs>
2: and uh, god we're all having trouble with big yes. words aren't yeah, I we? couldn't do it I couldn't no, I do was. it
1: there was a little break there I don't know any big words I apologize words, so I'm gonna say not it's not just me <laughs> no. I apologize it's, it's this room or something that's alright so
2: <laughs> but, but yeah like bringing people in which is also another nice part of being in a tourist town, because there's a lot of people who, so, like, being part of Soda Concepts, we get people who are like, I know your guys' restaurants, but I don't know beer, and you're like, ha-ha, here here we go. You know, this is going to be a lot of fun, and, um, but bringing people in, having variety, I I, I think it's important, and I used to be like this, My, my friends used to, like, and I'll still, like, okay, I'm going to knock you if you're drinking, like, a Bud Light, all right, to, to a certain degree, but not as much as I used to in my youth. My friends would be like, dude, can I just drink a beer in peace without, telling, mm-hmm. without you telling me how big of a piece of shit I am for drinking <laughs> this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, let, let me just enjoy it. Sometimes. So I enjoy about Goose Island and, like, those are sellouts. So, sure. Uh. But um, it, 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 it is all about the flavor. And if you like it, who's to tell you you're wrong? You know? Sure. Don't don't let anybody tell you, I, I, I like this. And if some beer snobs like, oh, you know, those are really easy. You just don't want a bunch of fruit and lactose it can cover up any. So? I like it. Get off your high horse.
1: Yeah. I kind of like that approach. I think that people should just drink what they like. And, you know, yeah. I, I, I kind of felt that way early on when I started to get a little snobby about beer. And I'm just like... Oh, Bud Light! We, Are you serious, like, dude? Try this lager from you know the guy down the street or whatever. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, you mean, my, this is a Munich Hellas. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. But like at, at this point, it's like, hey, even if they've been bought out by somebody or whatever the case is, if you like their beer, drink what you like. But I think that um, having that approach, like, I, I, I'm again, like, just, I'm, I, what's it like at the at the bar? I'm curious, like, if you see it at all. Because I'm sure people come in and there's just so many people that don't even know anything about beer, but they're in town and they're with other people and they're just like, what do I order? Like it's got to happen all the time and probably more here than, you know, a um, a, like, you know, a specific brewery, you know, in in a town where like where we're from, where like, you know, you either go to a brewery or you don't. If you're in town and you're with people and you show up to a place, you know, does that happen a lot? I would imagine people show up like, hey, I, I like Bud Light. What should I do?
2: Oh yeah, all the all the all the time. Nick, were you gonna say something? You had yeah. oh
3: well. I was just gonna. I just wanted to, to say one quick thing about the, the the sours, right, and and overpowering like off flavors and stuff like that. I just wanted to say I have had fruited sours. That I can one detect off flavors in it, and then two, I've just had fluted sours that just don't taste good. Nick, you oh, know, yeah. so <laughs> Nick
2: is a beast for picking out diacetyl. I've oh, yeah. never, seen, a somebody, bit I've never but, seen somebody. I've never seen so sensitive to diacetyl as him. He can get that 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 buttered popcorn note like like it was like it was.
1: I know people that take that theater. real seriously. Seth, Seth, oh, we Seth we do. for sure. Seth. It's just like yeah. he's like he you know he hits a few different breweries to help them out with that. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. I'll I'll right. try your your uh, your Mars in. And let you know what's going on. All no, you know right, I mean? yeah, yeah, but uh, that's that, awesome. That's I really retirement. Really.
3: Yeah, and it, it's just, I just wanted to really quickly say, like, like. You still need to make a quality sour for it to taste good, you know? It's sure. Just because it's different and it has strong flavors doesn't mean you're not, you know, trying to make a good beer. So I think that, you know, people who maybe turn their nose up at it, maybe, you know, you put in front of them one that you don't like and one you do and then you yeah. kinda, you know, you show them, like, this is still something where where technique and, and, and knowing what you're doing matters. Sure.
2: Um, that's, that's actually what I was, I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, you know, we can do these, like, heavy uh, fruit-laden sour ales, but we're gonna, like, pick fruit combinations that are interesting, that maybe we haven't seen before, that we think pair together really, really well. Uh, Like, one that we have on right now is lingonberry and sweet cherry. Uh, Lingonberry is a Scandinavian fruit. It's also found, like, in, like, northern Canada and Siberia as well, and tastes a lot like cranberry, except not quite as sour Uh, and a little bit more sweet. And then we add a little bit of sweet cherry to help bring that sweetness out a little bit. But it's fantastic, and it's really good. It fits this season. Uh, But I've never seen anybody make a lingonberry sour. It's actually really hard for me to find the lingonberry to do it with when (laughs) I got the idea. And, uh, but, like, it's, it's, uh, uh, so it's things like that. It's like, yeah, we're going to go down this heavily fruited sour route, but we're going to do it with purpose. We're going to do it. Uh, Still technically correct, so that you don't pick up. We're not just trying to cover up all flavors, and it's it's going to be unique. It's going to be Thompson Island, and it's going to not just be another fruited sour. Which,
3: by the way, we taste the the sours before. Like it gets tasted at every step. You know, there's never there's never you know. Oh, we we taste something off. Let's just throw some fruit in it to block it. That has never happened. Um, And another thing is that. Oh, God, I totally lost my train of thought. That's I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, no, do, I apologize. Do you guys, do
1: you guys Um, what where, where do you draw inspiration from? Do you guys, like, have beers and go, like, man, I like this, but I think, like, if we did it, we could maybe do it like this. Yeah. And, and it would be, like, a home run or.
2: I, I, I think anybody who says that they're not actually getting inspiration from, like, other brewers and stuff, and they get it from, like, all other sources, either is full of shit yeah. or I was sitting on a
1: cliff or I was sitting on the beach and uh, it just came to me
0: that, that <laughs> where actually I saw the sunset like, yeah. where just, yeah. I get a
2: lot of like ideas popping into my head is when I'm out walking my dog like yeah. actually I get a ton because a lot of times I'll have a beer while I'm doing it and I'll just be like thinking things over while she's peeing in the grass and, and it'll just like ideas will, will, will yeah. come to
0: Squirt's me a great dog yeah
2: Uh, But, like, I like to see it, like, in that sense, kind of like, you know, if you know the story of when the Beach Boys came out with... uh, So, first of all, Beatles came out with Revolver. And that inspired Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys to do pet, pet sounds, sounds, which is amazing. And when Paul McCartney heard pet, pet sounds, sounds, they literally went to the studio and threw everything out and were like, We have to start over because <laughs> this has been raised but and they came out with Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts club band, which doesn't sound like pet sounds. It's
4: still very much the Beatles, but, but the pet pr- sounds the production value is what they changed.
2: So Ah, much. all right. But I, I just thought it was the idea of like Go like we can go so much further. There's yeah, so much mm. more open, uh, uh there open territory that we can go into. Wow, uh, you know, and so I get inspiration from the cooks and like food, and and like especially with like power, like, like, like trying to combine the ideas of like uh, uh, uh having sweet and sour balance together, actually, which is something that I struggled with at, at the start. Of like, I, I like sour sours, but bringing in extra sweetness to help balance it out to make it more palatable, and our, our sours, like even I'll say, like yeah, our sours are better now. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, th- there's all kinds of places. We have a pastry chef with us. Drew's and great. Drew is fantastic. How you doing, Drew? And and I get inspiration from him for a lot of our beers as well. Uh, it's 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 fantastic. So I mean, all sorts of places. I think I think you can get
4: inspiration from from almost anywhere. It depends on who you are. No. Every time I look down at this menu, this Take 5 candy bar cake just... <laughs> it yeah. just jumps out well, what that is was, that is that a special
3: so the desserts are are I will warn you decadent we they have we have a full here.
2: on dessert team here if if okay if you're listening which and you're not a beer fan which I don't know why you'd be listening to a beer podcast but <laughs> right. yeah. possible. possible it's possible just my wife All that's right. it that's a young my girl. mom uh, my mom will probably listen <laughs> to this we'll get her we have a, uh, a, a pastry team here run by Chef Drew uh, who is amazing Ellie does the uh, uh, pastries for here, and she does some in- in incredible things. She had this uh, 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 pumpkin cream pie. It was like no, it was a it was a pumpkin cheesecake with mm. like Oreo oh, cookie I, crust. I remember you know, this Oreo cookie crumb yeah. crust, and it was, oh, it was fantastic. Oh, so she's got this Take Five candy bar cake. So it, it's the Take Five candy bar deconstructed, reconstructed into cake form. Which is just great. We've done beers. Uh, we've got one beer that uh, that we've done a couple of times called Glazed and Confused, which is a Boston cream donut pastry style. Speaking
3: of times that the brewery smelled good, <laughs> yeah. uh, that would be at the top of the list. I Definitely. think.
2: We threw uh, some of Drew's donuts into the mash. Yeah. Probably oh, about like, good, like twenty, thirty pounds of donut. Oh wow! Uh, that he cooked up the night before into the mash, and it and it comes through. You taste donut oh, yeah. in, in the beer. Yeah, yeah.
1: I that's had well. that. I don't know if it was what was it six months ago, uh, yeah. eight months ago, something like that. But oh, we did. We did one about. I remember about four one or six with months, the, yeah. and
2: then one like a, like a little over a year ago was yeah. the first time we did it. Yeah,
4: something like that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. It's um. See, now I got the nick. I just I, I had a train. I was going someplace. Ooh, please speaking, don't call that the nick. S- speaking of people that
0: <laughs> people from that, now on
4: the nick people that might not be into beer, you know, we have a lot mm-hmm. of listeners that might come down here that are going to be with people that aren't into beer. You right. know, it's it's tough sometimes to get my wife to go, "Hey, I want to go to this brewery. There has to be something else with it for me to get a non-beer drinker to go with me." All right. But this kind of place here, we walked around and took some took some pictures. There's a great little front outdoor area. Yeah, a yep. nice little patio yep. out there. Nice little patio out there. And what you can't even see when you walk in is if you keep going straight through the beer you garden. you got the beer garden back there. Beer it's beautiful garden. back there. Oh, it's, it's a Fire
1: pit. There's fire a bocce pit. ball. The two
4: bocce ball pits is is Keller. next level. I love yeah. eating here. Yeah, yeah. 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 ping pong. And you can. This is a, a spot where a beer drinker can bring his non beer drinker family, friends, whatever and everybody's going to be able to have a good time. They
1: can get a glass of wine. They can get yeah. a cocktail.
4: Yeah. We got wine. We got cocktails. We got a nice, uh, liquor selection as well. We got yep. a great
1: whiskey and bourbon selection too. Good great wine, food, great desserts, wine selection. A great place to hang out. Just all the spots, the yeah. front, the back, the middle, everything's great. The, Sometimes
3: I'll sit at the bar and I won't even drink beer. I'll drink cocktails. I'll watch Mento make cocktails all <laughs> night. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we,
2: we try really hard to also like, like if you're bringing people down who aren't into beer or something like that, our servers, uh, And bartenders are very knowledgeable about the kinds of beers that we bring and uh, that we brew. And and they know that there are some beers on here that could maybe, you know, convert some of those non-beer drinkers. Like, oh, here, try this, try that. You might like this, you might like that. Uh, Like, you know, like like this door with its super low bitterness and really tropical hop notes. I see a lot of people like, yeah, normally, but this is really good. Or the fruited sours. Like oh this is yeah excellent because this is like it's like it's like a smoothie or something this yeah. is really good
3: escapades escapades
2: <laughs> even yes. the
4: even the Marsan is a kind of beer that you can, yeah. can get get into I think somebody's it's hand, like, yeah so yeah. yeah
2: I mean that that yeah that's again like I said. Balance. Having things in balance is really important. To all all the beers that we do, that they're that they're balanced in flavor. Even if it's
1: not the most educated palate, which I really don't ever pretend to have, but <laughs> you know, I feel like um, these styles can can come across to somebody and they can appreciate like, all right, this this beer makes sense. It's 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 balanced. It's it's got a good body to it. It's not thin. It's not too too you know whatever like you know too bitter too malty, whatever it is. They're just going to know, like, hey, this this makes sense. Yeah. I, I think and,
2: another thing that we really try is, you know, a lot of times you go to uh, a, a small craft brewery or, or brew pub, and, and they're like, oh, well, I'm sorry you don't drink beer. That's all we have here. And yeah. if you don't, you know, and whatever. Oh, you, you don't, you want, no, I'm sorry, we don't have Miller are you and why did you come in here? You know, and we're, we not, we're not pretentious like that. You know, you won't get an ounce of pretentiousness from anybody here. We're, we're here for the customer uh, and, and and giving them, you know, like like you were saying earlier about some people like these beers, some people like, yeah. So who, and who am I to judge? You know, and we'll get them what they like. You know,
1: That's another thing I think is hugely important with a brewery, if you're, especially if you're a non-distributing brewery, it's not just the beer and the food. There has to be an experience here. Yeah. So you have to have this whole experience where somebody comes in, they can ask questions, they feel comfortable, they're part of the family, somebody's very attentive to their needs, helps them figure out what they might enjoy, and then they find that thing and they go, wow, I've never had something like this before. This is amazing. And then they're a lifelong fan. Yeah. And it is, I, I think Welcome if you have back. that approach, you know, you can, you can get them start to finish. Absolutely. Yeah. that's huge
2: I remember going into a like a really really chic craft beer bar once back in back in New York and uh, uh, I couldn't read the menu that was like written on the mirror behind the bar I asked the bartender can, can you guys have a printed out menu that I could read and he literally like rolled his eyes and was like ah, and I was like I'm ready to walk out the door right now. Like, yeah. you, are you, seriously, you're, you're going go to go to being a dick just for asking for yeah. a menu? Like, come on. Like, you should just know. Like, no, I don't. Give me a menu. So no, I
1: have had the same thing. I've gone places where it was, like, very early on in my craft beer thing, and I'm like, hey, you know, I, I know I like this and that, like, but I don't really know what to order. What should I do? And they're like, people that don't know just get Allagash White. Just, just, just take that. You know what I mean? So rude. And I'm like, you know, and and, you know, you take it, and and it's that's a beer that I don't like necessarily, but like, it was just, um, you know, I I don't necessarily care for that attitude, and it's nice when people take the time to say like, "Hey, man, drink what you like," but maybe I can point you in the direction of something that's like could open your eyes and. I hope that most people have exactly. that kind of. Uh, I
3: want to say the bartenders here incredibly friendly, and I say that even with living one of them, living with one of them, you know. So. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, That's they're awesome. all very kind. I think it might it might be the New Yorker in me. Yeah. But like anytime somebody starts to put on just like an ounce of pretentiousness, and that I just immediately go like, "Oh, you think you're better than me? Yeah. You think you're better <laughs> than me? You want to?"
4: That's a little Boston, too. I'll just do you go think you're right to me. That's yeah, just a big yeah. city thing, right? Yeah, was, That's yeah. also
2: because everybody's better than Boston.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you ready for the toast?
1: Let's do it. All right,
0: toast. How
2: about a beer? Mighty be Brews presents
1: the Toast of the Week. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> I thought of one, so I think I'm ready. Do it. Brett and Laura. Brett and Laura. Brett and Laura. So um, Brett and Laura are friends of ours that live close by they've been on the show plenty of times um i call brett um best beer buddy brett because he's just like a great beer guy he's always trading with stuff we get i mean they're they're now shipping now what's that brewery out there in portland um great notion great north great notion love those guys and um he would always trade with people and get a bunch of great notion and and now they're shipping to pa because we've got the best uh beer market in the world i think but um they just made it Facebook official. I feel like I've known for nine months, but they're pregnant. They're having their, their first kid, and I'm super excited for them. I didn't even know for sure that they were going to have kids. They were the, 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 the kid-having type, but um, I'm super excited for them. They're, like, incredibly great friends of ours, and uh, super pumped for them. Um, and they're having a boy, which I'm even more excited about because I don't have a boy. I've got two girls. So I'm going to, um, you know, play catch and, uh, you know, go to football games and shit with this kid.
4: Yeah, I've got the girls, too, so we can just go over and just tackle the shit out of this kid yeah. every, <laughs> every week. Yeah. Put, put him
0: down. Yeah, body
1: slam him, a little play dirt. wrestling, things like that. And, uh, yeah, All right. that sounds like a blast. But cheers, cheers. Brett cheers. Laura. Cheers. Yes.
0: Cheers.
4: So this episode will actually release on Black Friday. Mm. Okay. so when the people are listening, if they're listening right now, it's in the future as we're talking (laughs) in the past. Well, no matter what, that would be true. (laughs) Exactly. But how far in the future, we don't know. But the point is, Black Friday is before Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is the gahoat. The greatest holiday. Isn't Black Friday the day after the, the Thanksgiving? Gahote? The day after. Did I, did I hear an H in there? The Gahot. The, the greatest gahote. holiday of all time. Okay, okay. What do we have to do on Thanksgiving? We have to cook our food. We have to watch football. We have to eat our food. We have to drink beer. And that's it.
3: I'll be sitting at the kids' table.
1: <laughs> even, even if take, you're at the a kids' nap table,
4: yeah, maybe a nap. you don't have to worry about presents. You don't have to worry about any of the other junk that goes along with Christmas. I or forget these other about the holidays this every year, and then you when don't have really to get dress up. up. You're
1: just like I oh, love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, it's the best.
3: You don't have to put on a costume.
4: It, yes, you can show up in sweatpants. Nobody cares. Eat your oh, turkey. My mom I've, would be
3: offended if you didn't have stuffing. You
4: been to Thanksgiving <laughs> at my
0: house and <laughs> yeah. seeing my dad in sweatpants on the couch all day. Yeah, until yeah. He does. Right? He
2: will put on a nice shirt. When we're at the table, but it's still just sweatpants.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: anything with a belt is just, you know, arrogance. It's like he's on a yeah, z- right? yeah.
4: Like he's on a Zoom interview. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
3: here's to here's
1: to the here's go. To Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I like that. All right. Woo, cheers. I, cheers. I cheers. hope
3: everyone enjoyed their turkey.
4: I do too. And mm-hmm. my stuffing's the best. I'm so looking forward to
1: stuffing. I gotta try I'm gonna be in New York. We'll see what in happens. In both the future uh, and the past. You guys got anything? Anything you want to do?
2: Um, I'm That's gonna. Okay I'm, I'm gonna have to uh, uh, toast my girlfriend Marguerite. She, yeah. she is fantastic. Marguerite. And Uh, Marguerite.
1: <laughs> uh, it's, uh
0: so
2: it's 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 not that way. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's um, the uh, uh, more northern European Scandinavian way, which okay. is spelled phonetically as well, so it makes it a lot easier. Uh, there's no. What's like-
1: the accent like? Huh? Does she <laughs> have an accent? No, no, okay. oh no! She's from Seattle. She's okay. from like Washington. Okay.
2: She's not from there. It's her, her, okay. her, her, her. She's got her, a Seattle her, accent. Her, her heritage. Gotcha. Uh, it's actually funny because she actually held on to a little bit more of the Scottish accent than I did. So like, she still <laughs> has a little bit of that funny. Some Scottish people are more brogue.
3: prone to that, you know, yeah,
2: just a little yeah. bit more. Uh, uh, I I did for a while, but four years in New York, going back there, worked it out of me. No. Um, so I, I'm gonna toast her because, uh um we're sitting here, we're talking beer, we're talking like, like you know, everything that we're doing here and things that I've done before and, and like I have dragged her literally all around the world uh, trying to find like a good, my my niche for, for a good brewery, you know uh, uh, Scotland and, and, and England and then back to Seattle for a month and then Brooklyn and then New Jersey and then Delaware and I know 17 years ago when we got together and we're still not married, whoop, whoop, uh, We whoop, uh, we we Never in a million years thought that yep. the that the journey would lead us and, and potentially, hopefully, like you know, come to uh, 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 have have a nice long uh, chapter in Delaware. But this place is great, and this is awesome, and it all couldn't have been without an awesome partner, yeah, helping me along the way, putting up with my shit along the way, and pushing me along the whole way as as well. So I'm I'm gonna go down that route and and thank my my lovely, lovely partner, Cry Marguerite. I love you. It's yeah, a shout good, out Margarita it's a good
1: move. to you I, I mean Trust. I think it's so important to, um, to have that partner that can help support you when there are those changes that happen and, and you're trying to figure out what the next move is and especially if you're you know you're in the same industry but going to a different company whatever it may be um, I get that whole thing man and I think that's huge and uh, so yeah I think that's awesome shout yeah. out to her she's my rock yeah that's awesome yeah. Great to hear. You got anything, Nick?
3: Yeah, I do. Uh, I would like to toast our head brewer for Thompson Island Brewing Company, Justin.
0: Justin. Um, Yes, Justin. uh, You
3: know, honestly, I've only known him a short time, but I like to think of him as a good friend. And, you know, this week has been pretty busy, and we've been kind of grinding it together, and I love spending time with him. So I just wanted to
4: give him a little toast. Nice. He
3: can't be here today. You know, he's with his parents, but, uh, you know, wanted to shout him out. Yeah, shout out to the head brewer. He gets a woo. Woo!
4: Yes. And a toast.
2: And a toast. Cheers. Cheers, Justin.
1: Justin, we appreciate you. Guys, uh, thank you so much uh, for hanging out. That was uh, such a good time. It was so down, nice. Man. you know, Taking the trip. I think it's so important that like, people can go to a brewery and have that experience and have a good time. But I think some people can appreciate that extra level. Of knowing what's going on behind the scenes that can just kind of make the whole story and the whole experience of what's going on they know that that the guy that's behind the beer you know went through was in scotland and went to all these schools and moved around and has all this brewery experience that ended up here that's putting out these fantastic beers i think that's such a huge part of what uh can help people appreciate you know, what they're doing and what they're drinking. So I ho- I'm hoping we end up doing that. That's kind of the goal here.
2: Awesome. I, I, I appreciate it. I think that's that's great. But that's that's I also important just, to me. and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. But
1: right. I also just love this place, <laughs> and I'm super excited to be here. So, Jimmy, <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> thanks for Nick, having thanks we us. We so just show there. We get a free beer. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you guys. So, thanks, uh, man. Thanks nice for having us. We're super excited to be here. So, uh, guys, if, if you took the time to hang out with us um, online, listening to the podcast, uh, we appreciate you uh, as well. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff at Might Be Brews. But um, happy Thanksgiving, happy Black Friday, all that good stuff. Uh, Christmas is going to be here before you know it. But thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.